Hi, this is Zach Glazer with Frog Eye Games, and you're listening to Hobbs and Friends. and friends. I am your host, Jason Hobbs, and today, as every other day on Hobbs and Friends, I have a fantastic guest and one with infinite patience. It seems like you have to have infinite patience if you want to be on Hobbs and Friends, because I'm about as disorganized as it can get. So I have a blogger, um, geez, a designer, a hex guy, a hex, one of the hex lords is what we would call you in some places. Um, anyway, without further ado, Rob Conley. Rob, what is up, my man? Well, um, I have a Kickstarter. Uh, it is basically, um, for those who are familiar with my work, my uh, first independently pro- published project with the Majestic Waterland Supplement and uh you know it's i have run the waterland since uh uh the early 80s uh 82 and so whenever i ran a fantasy setting whether it was advanced dungeons and dragons gurps fantasy hero um fantasy age i always used the same setting and build build on that and uh just translate you know whatever stuff I have in the setting into the system I was using at the time. And with the Majestic Waterland supplement, I kind of returned back home to to the classic edition and uh, wrote it with uh, using swords and wizardry at the foundation. I uh, wrote a set of rules to accompany the setting information because I didn't think, I would think it would be nice to have a supplement that both is immediately useful, like here's some classes, here's some magic items, here's some creatures, along with reading about the Majestic Waterland. So I didn't stop there. I kept running more campaigns, like I normally do. And uh, so a couple years later, I found myself with a whole bunch of additional material. It's still Swords and Wizardry's base, but they also function as its own system. So I started putting the extra work into them into making them polishable polish for uh, uh, publication and the problem is is that there's a lot of nice systems out there old school central is one of the newer ones ranging all the way back to the original basic fam- fantasy by Chris Goneman and uh, uh, Osric by uh, Matt Fitch, Finch and uh, Stuart Marshall. So, so rather than try to compete as just another system, I, one thing I noticed was that everybody, you know, they may draw most of the material from, say, Old School Essential, uh, Swords and Wizardry, um, or Black Hack, or whatever, and but they will also then take a lot of materials from other sources they uh, find useful and it's a huge variety of what they you know people do this so i want to be part of those other things that people incorporate in uh into their campaign and 
if they run the my whole uh, game as their complete uh, uh, system, then so be it. Great. I'm, I'm, that makes me happy. But like I said, I want to be part of the other thing. So I was going to release, I am going to release it as a series of supplements, but I realized that, okay, so for the people who are going to run as a system, they need some kind of overview to tie it all together. So that's where I came up with an idea of writing a set of basic rules, level one through five, but has all the things you need to run a campaign, such as character creation, combat, monsters, spells, treasures, some a bit of referee advice, and then publish that so that you can see see how to use all the other supplements together. And that came up first in what I was working on, and so. I wanted to do a really nice job getting it edited. I had a cover artist in mind who who named Richard Luscheck, uh, who does the Harn illustration, which you can see some of the Harn stuff behind me. Um, and uh, I inquired, and he was available, so I commissioned some covered art. But there, are, the expenses were a little bit more than what my month-to-month revenue can handle, so I founded a, a modest Kickstarter to help fund that. It funded, and it's going pretty good. That's great, man. We will get deeper into that and maybe do a deep dive, but I like to start the show off with uh, just like kind of an even better introduction about who you are and maybe how we're connected or why I even had you on the show. Obviously, being in the scene, you know, as a blogger and as all the things that you do, you're obviously one of the premier people to get on the show. So I really appreciate you coming on. <laughs> but uh, when I think about you, obviously the Bat in the Attic blog, which you talk a lot about how to do hex crawls on my show, Hex Talk, that I did with some other guys. I don't know if you've ever heard of the podcast, but we do. We have talked about your stuff before and uh, ways to make a hex, mm-hmm. hex crawl. That's what that whole podcast is about is running hex crawl games. So, uh that's a pretty cool thing. Oh, so look that up. Yeah, check it out. You can listen. You can hear us mention your blog and say how awesome you are. So, so along with, I mean, I would say what other three main people uh, back in the day, you, the Alexandrian, and uh, Welsh Piper, really all great uh, hex resources on blogs. So, Yeah, they're great yeah, guys. Yeah, I would say those are the, 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 best, the best ones in my opinion. There's better ones. but So what about this Points of Light? I see that's like one of the first things that you actually published, and that was for Goodman Games. Is that right? Yes. So what happened there was um, i just come off the uh, Necromancer game Waterlands uh, box set. And even back in the day, even back then, it was expensive. It was $70, a pretty big ask for people to buy. Because not only it was like, even though the setting was well-known, the format was not well-known. So people were asking, why should I buy this $70 uh, box set? And, you know, I thought, you know, it would be a good idea if I came, came up with something less expensive so two people could see the format play the for play it with something interesting and then if they like it then they can buy the box set and uh i pitched it i worked with joseph goodman uh and uh on a judges guild uh reprint uh not a reprint project a reimagining project where we took three judges module 
and reimagine them for uh, 3.5. I wrote Thieves of Madagascar. We also did Dark Tower and Citadel Fire. So when that wound down, I pitched this idea to him, showed him an example setting, and he said, sure. So what it consists of, it consists of four settings. Uh, each, each has a one-page map. Uh, each covers an area about uh, uh, 125 by 75 miles. And I would key them up just like a Judges Guild project, product. And uh, the first one, and so for the first one, I decided to make it uh, a homage to the outdoor survival map and call it Southland because the original outdoor survival map was uh, put to the south of Dave Arrington's Blackmore, where Grave Arrington had a uh, class of Blackmore. So I uh, made it, uh, that's why I named it, and it's a frontier, and there's a kingdom trying to expand in this area, and there's places to explore. Then the next setting I called uh, Waterland, which takes place in a region that was once a province of the Bright Empire, this world's equivalent of uh, the Roman Empire. And this is a couple decades after the fall. Barbarians hold most of the territory. There are a few outposts of civilization. The players are meant to have adventures and find their way and hopefully restore some of what was lost. And then the last one is called, or the third one is called Borderlands. And that took place during the Civil War that led to the collapse of the Bright Empire. And it features two opposing sides plus a, a new, some neutral forces that the players can deal with. And the last one's a little different than the other three. It, that it, it took place on, uh, it was an outer plane setting. It took place on the uh, home plane of the dark god Serath, who's the uh, dragon god of war and order. And uh, who is mentioned in the other, other, other uh, lands that uh, I wrote about. So it, once the characters get a little higher level, they had something uh, further they can adventure to. So Joe Smith Goodman, uh, we were looking, we, we kind of did this as part of the run-up for Fourth Edition, and uh, Joseph Goodman was looking at some various Fourth Edition marketing material by Wizards of Coast, and he noticed points of light. I pulled up the trademark database and noticed that Wizards of the Coast had a you know, some of the, a lot of the 4E terms that they were used, like Nenter's Veil and stuff, you know, trademark, but they did not trademark points of light. So Joseph said, I'm going to pick points of light. And uh, now he owns the trade, the uh, trademark to that. I, I still have, I have the copyright to the uh, actual settings and maps themselves, but he owns the series name, so to speak. Well, they sailed okay, enough to, to warrant a second one, which I did in the theme of the exploring the new world. So I have three, three again, three settings in there about exploring the new world and a fourth setting that is an outer plane adventure. Awesome. So you say you almost pretty much only run in uh, the wildlands or wilder lands. So you never actually ran anything in those settings? You just wrote them? Yes. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. No, but I pride myself on eating my own dog food, so to speak. <laughs> what those were was I had no expectations of, uh, even though I worked on Judges Guild material, I didn't have a license. Either Goodman Games had a license. Necromancer Games had a license. Yeah. I did not have a license. Nor did I feel established enough to ask for a license. Mm -hmm. 
because, you know, Goodman Games, Necromancer Games, you know, they're, they were, by that time, they were pretty much, you know, settled companies with a big catalog and, you know, stable of artists and authors. And uh, so I was, since by the time, by the mid-90s, pretty much my Majestic Waterlands were, were just, the only thing common it had with the original Judges Guild was, was, uh, the geography and the names. Mm -hmm. Okay, I had an overlord. I had a city state. I had a British stand with a that once had a uh, world emperor. So I had those, but what they meant in my setting was different. So what I was working on was making a version with the serial number, judges' guild serial numbers filed off, mm -hmm. and those points of light was the start of that. So after that series wound down. I was gonna okay. I was gonna go whole hog into that and write it up like you know other people write up their settings and continue my points of light. What I was doing in points of light under a different name. At first, it was gonna be Land of Adventure. Now I call it the Majestic Fantasy Realm. So everything I did in the Majestic Waterlands was being placed in there. So while I didn't play to, play those specifically. Like Serath is the god set. Uh, Deliquain, who I mentioned, is the god, uh, the goddess Mitra. You know, uh, Veritas, that name remained unchanged. All the themes in there, the conflicts, all of those I've, I have were featured in various parts of my campaign. It, it's played but not played, you know? Awesome. It's in that in-between area. But then I got the <laughs> license, so that saved me a lot of work. So I could focus on more uh, other things so i took so that that fell by the wayside only to appear in black marsh all right awesome good story so what about uh usually i talk about how i know my guest i know you through tim obviously he talks about you a lot when i game with him and pretty much google pluses is there any other way that i'm forgetting i've never seen you at a con or anything i don't think no i only attend local cons i i i got two kids um uh, a full-time job, so I just don't have the opportunity to, to head out to Gary Con or North TexCon as much as I would like to. So I'm pretty much local to, uh, there's sometimes things in Erie and uh, sometimes things in Cleveland and Akron. So that's where you'll find me. That sounds cool. Yeah. Con and the Cobb. Awesome. It's the main one. I thought that was in Minneapolis. Con and the Cobb? No. Well, that's kind of the north, maybe. <laughs> No, Conan Nakab. Would be weird from that. Conan Nakab is Akron. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe well, I'll hit that one time, and maybe I'll see you there. Yeah. So, uh, you you do play. You don't just do. You don't just write. You told me that all those books back there were like your current books behind you over your shoulder. Yeah. What uh, What have you played uh, in the last week or two? Uh, both. I I'm in two campaigns, both fifth edition. One, I wound up running. I wound up a, a campaign I was running last fall, so uh, I decided to take a break from referee, and I so I'm playing in two of my friends' campaign. One is fifth edition, uh, the the uh, Salt Marsh adventure that Wizard recently put out. Mm -hmm. I'm playing a uh, druid, a druid of the coast in there, and then uh, the other one I'm playing uh, Descent into Erevness. I played a halfling monk who got killed died went out with a bang though <laughs> and then uh now i'm playing a uh a bard but i'm not a magician i'm an orator order so we're 
We're about to wrap up, and I'm probably going to spin up a, a game of my own. My player's been asking me to return some of the, to, to a thing I ran a while back that they want to finish out. And that will be with uh, Swords and Wizardry. All right, cool. So uh, I should say that I didn't get into any of the Dungeon Musings games that I usually play, 2nd Edition D&D, mm -hmm. uh, one being uh, the Night Below campaign and the other uh, Legacy of the Crystal Shard. I didn't get any of those this week, but uh, I did run my Kalmata game, which uses old school essentials. Uh, one or two sessions, maybe. Uh, we had a Midlands game in there, which uses low fantasy gaming. And uh, Days of Lincium, oh. which I run on Sunday mornings, which people in the stream are, are well aware of because they were watching. What, what Days of Lincium? I haven't heard of that. Oh, that's my own thing. Oh. I used uh, this product as a base, if you've ever seen this product. Evils of Ilmire. Ah. By uh, Spellsword. It came out in the last uh, zine quest on Kickstarter. Hmm. It was one of those, and it just fulfilled. I mean, I just got this, but I had the backer PDF previously. It's Days of Lincium is part of my setting, which is called the Emergent Empires, that I run almost all my stuff in, and, and I've that's what I've been doing probably for five or six years, so. I'll keep at it, and you'll have uh, more details, and you know what to do at it. To do at it, especially if you get to run it for, for 10, 15 years straight. I yeah, I already do because I've run it in so many different ways, uh, with so many different people and different systems and, and and everything. So, all right. So the last part of this introduction we got going on here, Rob, is called "Everything About You." I don't know if you listen to this podcast at all, but uh, this <laughs> this segment's based on Ugly Kid Joe song. I hate everything about you. So you just <laughs> just share something uh, about yourself that the listeners or your fans or anybody else don't really know. Well, I'm uh, I'm a computer programmer that works with metal cutting machines, and I got just all done with a project writing the control software for a laser that will burn your eyes out in a millisecond if you if if you don't follow all of the uh, safety precautions and What's what's the laser for? Well, it's uh, imagine a flat table with a bridge over it, and on the bridge is what we call a carriage that has the laser cutters pointed straight down, and you put a plate of metal on it, and the software you program the uh, uh, pattern. So like a die cut or something? Yeah, different cutting mechanism. <laughs> I don't know anything about machining. <laughs> well, it, it's not. It's not. It, 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 it's. If you see a square on the screen and tell it to cut it, it will cut out a square. So if you see, if you see like a, 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 a square with a rounded end and tell it to cut it, it will cut a square with a rounded end. How thick of metal can it thing go through? Uh, this particular model can go up to three-quarter inch. All right. But uh, we sell machines that use a different type of cutter called a plasma cutter that can go up to three inches thick. Yeah, that's using plasma, not a laser. I was just curious how close we're getting to shooting laser guns at each other. That's all. <laughs> other than just at eyes, I mean, or making your cat chase it. Well, the power unit's the size of a, half the size of your kitchen refrigerator, so uh -huh. we're not quite there in that department. But, yes, that thing will shoot across the room, and it will lay some hurt on. And if it gets in your eyes, your eyes are done. Wow. Last, last episode, I talked how I had kind of been getting interested in sports again. Well, that was two weeks ago. The Blackhawks are out of the playoffs, and who cares about sports? That's my, 
<laughs> That's my new thing today. Uh, in this set, I also wanted to mention that I started a new Discord channel called The Gamerhood. I'll still be hanging out at the Audio Dungeon Discord if anyone wants to see me. But if you want to find all things Hobbs and Friends or The Gamerhood, go to the Gamerhood, Gamerhood Discord. And then this Saturday, we are running a charity uh, four-hour game of low fantasy gaming with the author and publisher of low fantasy gaming steve Gradzicki, uh the dungeon muser himself kevin madison uh sean p kelly from gaming and bs and uh brian in the park brian is the guy who donated money originally to get this game going and we're going to try to make some money for uh hero save villages which is a a charity which helps people helps kids all over the world to get uh, the best home that they possibly could so it's children save villages is the charity our particular charity drive is called hero save villages and that's all done by kevin madison and you can find a link in the show notes that'll be 4 p.m it'll be here on my twitch or also at the dungeon musings youtube channel all right my man it's time for the main topic which you kind of went into in the introduction talking about the wildlands so i've heard so many different aspects of what in the wildlands are i mean the city state of the invincible overlord and then the wildlands was like the outdoor area how long has that thing been around and you kind of mentioned some of your stuff that you were involved in can you kind of maybe dive into that a little more like sure how like how long has it been that you've been doing it and when did the city state i remember that csio coming out i think go for it um well it was uh originally started in 1976 when uh bob bledsaw drew a map of the city state of the invincible overlord and him and bill owens had an idea that they could have uh sell subscriptions to a packet for a quarterly, I think it was quarterly packet of referee aids. And uh, they went to that year's Gen Con and sold maps of city-state out of their trunk of their back car. And they got subscription orders, and from that, Judges Guild was founded. And then, uh, so when they went back and started fulfilling the uh, subscription orders, they started fleshing out the city with some details and some chart, like a you know a city encounter chart, uh, random rumors and uh, so forth and so on, and then eventually they started detailing the world around um, the city state and the Invincible Overlord, and the way they did it was you know they were like the first guys to really uh, do this. So what the format they decided to do it on was to take a numbered hex grid and that would have been, you know, and draw a section of the waterlands on it. And they started with, of course, the area around city-state, which is that map right there. And uh, then they, they put villages on the map and then they fleshed out so they put villages, then they in the in the text they list out the village, who lived there, you know, what what the population, who lived there, and who their leaders were. And then they detailed out ru ruins, then they detailed lairs, and then they uh 
give a short uh, one to two to three sentence description of the islands that were present. And then they, they had this area of 18 maps uh, in a three by six grid, and they did that for all 18 maps. And by the time 1980, uh, they had released it all. And so compared to, I mean, Greyhawk was awesome, but, you know, Greyhawk, you know, said, this is the kingdom of Nyrod, and Nyrod was dozens of 30-mile hexes inside, and there was very little detail of what was contained in there, just a like a Fodor's, I don't know if you remember the Fodor's travel guides, but it was like that. Mm -hmm. So, but with the Wilderland, it, it was like a bottom-up thing where it told you what was there, what villages were there, what monsters were lurking by, what ruins were there to explore, but it was relatively thin on the high-level details. So you had the city-state, you had the city-state of the world emperor, maybe Modron, but there was not a hot, that was it. So you were free to impose any kind of thing you wanted. So between uh, what my players did and what I, you know, what I came up with, it slowly morphed into a different setting altogether. So, Judges Guild, then, in the early 80s, Judges Guild lost their D&D &D license. They tried to make a go out of it with this sort of generic fantasy setup, and that didn't really work out. And unfortunately, by 1984, they were all but shut down. And the whole idea of a hex crawl formatted setting just fell by the wayside in favor of either a, uh, you had a map with maybe two dozen numbers on it that you looked up, mm -hmm. or a uh, travelogue format like uh, uh, Greyhawk and then later uh, Forgotten Realms. Mistara, right? Gazetteers. Of course, with the advent of 3.0 and the open game license, suddenly everybody was interested in trying their hand at publishing, and this included people like Clark Peterson and uh, Bill Webb of Necromancer Games, who liked the old-style stuff. So they started pushing, uh, you know, new edition rules with old-school feel, and uh, then looking up Bob Bloodsaw and see, and they got the right to publish Judges Guild. When about was that? I was just going to ask. You think the Necromancer Games started doing that? When did they start doing that? Yeah, was that 2008? 2000 hmm. before that? Probably. No, 2003. 2003, okay. Yeah, nice. So it's been 17 years ago already. Yeah, well, that's when the first part project first come together, and I think they released it. 2004, 2005. I don't have it in front of me, but I, you know, it, it was it was in the middle aught. It was right around the time 3.5 debut, debuted. All right, so that is crazy. And so then, in two, that's when you were working on it. That and what was that? That was called the Majestic Wildlands by Necromancer Games. No, no, it was the Wilderlands of High Fantasy. Oh, okay, Wilderlands of High Fantasy. So what's the Majestic Wilderlands? It was a box set. How much is that box set now, if you try to get it? Any idea? <laughs> 250 bucks. 250 bucks. $250. That's high, but not too crazy, I guess. They've, I wonder how many they put out, because it sounds kind of super cool. Uh, 2,000, maybe. It was, it was not a big print run. Okay. That's not that many. No. So how many different... Uh, 
editions of the Wildlands have been put out? And then, like, how many of them have you actually been involved in? I would say there have been three editions, and I've been involved in two. The Necromancer box set. I, I did the villages okay. for map for the for two and a half maps. You know, two maps. Remember, there's 18 of these guys. Yes. Well, I did the village, not the lairs, uh, not the ruins or the islands, but the villages and castles for this one and the map to the south of it and then uh, part of the map below that. Uh, and then the third edition, so to speak, is the one that I recently released uh, because, uh, uh, unfortunately, the Judges Guild Kickstarter fell apart and uh, I was only paid for half of the 18 maps that I, I made for this, and I had them all done. I See, what I did was I didn't draw them as 18 separate maps. I drew them as one huge 5-foot-wide, 8-foot-high map. How did you do that? Using CorelDRAW. Oh. And 16, mega, 16 gigs of RAM. <laughs> <laughs> and then, trust me, that file takes a while to load. Yeah. And so... So I did it all basically, I drew all the coast and all the forest and all the villages, you know, basically did everything. So when the time, the when they ran out of money and said the halt work, I was basically done. Mm. I just had to double check what I did. And then the only other step was to crop out the individual 18 maps so you, so you get what you see there. So I was only paid for half of that. And... Uh, so when it were, when uh, Bob Blood, Bob saw the second son, Bob Blood saw the third, stepped down and his dad took it over again. Um, you know, I said, "Look, if you allow me to sell," well, first I asked, "Can I sell the City State of the Invincible Overlord map I made?" Because mm -hmm. I didn't pay that for me at all, and he said yes. And then I then I that told well. Uh, but it had no book with it. I said, hey, can I do the sell my Waterland map? But I, I think I could have had more sales if I had a book to sell with it. Now, I know the City State book is what your Kickstarter and you're, you're working on that. But can I sell uh, a version of the guidebook? And he said, yes. So my I, I've done all 18 maps now in four guidebooks. So uh, that is com effectively comprised the third edition. And basically, I tried to incorporate all the errata and correction that we accumulated from the box set and that came up on the internet, you know, among fans of the Waterland that we knew about. So it's probably the most uh, accurate version of the Waterland that is out there now. Awesome. Yeah. And it's still available. And that's where you would get it on drive through Yes. Yeah, he. Owe, I'm only about he. We're so in order to pay me for what he owed me, he said to defer his royalties, and so I'm only 52 percent of the way wow. to what he owes me. So, and that that's a jump from three months ago of 48 percent. So, every quarter it's probably going going up another four percent. So it's going to be up there for probably until the end of 2021. Yeah. Yeah, and none of the money is going to uh Bob Bloodsaw the second. Everyone go out and buy that. <laughs> that's 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 a good point right there. Do you want to talk any more about your how what your relationship with the Bloodsaws are or any of that? Cuz I mean I, some people probably don't necessarily know exactly what's going on. 
He's a polite guy, a nice man, but he's a racist and anti-Semitic, and uh, as as his post illustrates, and uh, I had a chat with him before I said anything, and uh, I just can't work with the guy. Yeah, that's crazy. You never really know. I just won't work with it. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. move away from that. A brief, I think maybe briefly. Uh, I always get confused. What what is Black Marsh then? Well, Black Marsh is the continuation of the points of light setting. Okay. And specifically, it's set to the north of Southland, which was a uh, part of the the first uh, Points of Light book. Points of Light. Okay. And that's your own thing, because I have a Black Marsh map, and I don't even know where I got it. I think I bought it at a con once from the from uh, Taco John or something from for Goodman Games from Black Bla, uh, Black Blade Publishing. So. Yeah, uh, Black Blade carries my stuff. The the physical products. Uh, uh, at conventions, I, every year they they tell me what they could think they can sell, and I I order that, package it up nicely, and send it to them. So yeah, so that is a continuation of that setting, and uh, I was actually going to continue that. I am going to still continue. Okay. That, but I work on multiple things. So the the the, the sequel to Black Marsh is going to be the Wild North, which is a Slavic mythology themed setting that is set to the north of uh, Black Marsh. So that probably will come out in the fall. I, I got all the writing done. I just got to work on some of the smaller maps that are part of the product. Now it's looking like that's going to be my main setting. So I, I earlier mentioned that I was, I worked on a serial number, uh, a, a version of the Majestic Waterlands with the uh, Seal numbers filed, judges killed seal numbers filed off. Well, mm -hmm. I'm back to work on that. And the oh. wild, the, the wild north is going to be the first product in that in that one. So what I hope to do is alternate one of my rule supplement with one of my setting supplements like wild north, and have a few ideas uh, for for other ones. Awesome. So I'm going to save this uh, hex crawling question for you for the post show. Okay. So if any of the listeners want to hear it, you're going to have to go to YouTube or Twitch and listen uh, and move on to this next question, which is uh, from Jason Connerly. He mentioned that he heard you on Tenkar and you were talking about having a DM advice book or something coming out. Does that sound accurate? Don't you don't don't go into it. Just say yes or no. Parts of it are going to be part of my like GM advice. That's oh, when you talked about earlier on how to run it. Perfect. What do you think about advice for players? Uh. <laughs> you don't see a lot of things that are really just advice for players, right? And I think all of us could be better players than we are. What do you think about that? You ever? Well, um, that's a good question. My advice. It's, it's actually kind of simple. You know, make up a character. It doesn't, you don't have to act like a different personality. It, can, it just can be a version of yourself. But what I ask, the only thing I ask to my players is act as, you, as if you are there as the character. Yeah, I think that's the flail snails thing. I will paint a picture of where you're at, who you're seeing, and just act like you're there and tell me what you do. And... Like, for example, um, you know, if a guy wants to buy something, I'll role play the shopkeep. And so all the player really has to do is, uh, you know, look me in the eye and respond like he's there trying to buy a sword or whatever, or trying to sell, sell some treasure. Everything else is basically uh, I would call good sportsmanship. Be a good sportsman with your DM and uh, with your group. 
you know, and sportsmanship is basically good manners uh, while you engage in some sort of competitive play. Even though role playing is not quite competitive, but you're still you're still trying to fight monsters and survive, so it has elements of that. Oh, I'm going to have to share this link right to one of my buddies on Twitter. He's all about D and D being competitive play. But let's move on from that. I'm, this is a new segment of the show where I ask the guest to choose either your legacy in the old school scene or your epitaph in the old school scene. What uh, what would you want it to be? Which one do you want to pick, and then what would they be? Uh, my legacy in the old school scene. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, you've already created it, really, haven't you? Finishing the Judges Guild stuff I, I, in a way that... Well, that sandbox fantasy. You know, how to run a sandbox fantasy campaign. That's what I want my legacy to be. As far as my epitaph, I would say I'm the guy, I'm the referee who lets his players trash his campaign. <laughs> nice. That's the foundation. That That's what set me on the path in 1982. I'm the guy who let their players become a king. It wasn't easy. It was a challenge. But if they had the plan and they followed through and with a little bit of luck, I had no problem with them being king or boss, underworld boss or head of the Majors Guild or whatever. Whatever they want to do, I was willing to roll with, and I still am willing to roll with. Nice. All right, so I'm going to give some appreciation to the listeners of the show and those who are involved with uh, my Patreon. So here's some shout-outs. Vance A., I get to play some games with Vance and Tim Short sometimes in Matt Jackson's game once in a while. So, Vance, thank you very much for being a patron. Joe Salvador, he does the Call of Cthulhu game using uh, Swords and Wizardry White Box. Eldritch, Eldritch Tales or something? I don't know. Regardless, Joe, thank you. Oh, I, I, I only heard that briefly, but I thought when I thought, but so good for him. Good, good, good that he's working in. Uh, Call of Cthulhu with, you know, classic edition material, you know, mechanics. Because we need, we need more variety. Yeah, it's awesome. I agree. So thank you for being a patron, Joe Salvador. Last but not least, Maltworm himself, Stu Clark, the third shout-out today. Thanks, my man, for being a patron. Uh, I, at this time, I'm going to say the music for Hobbs & Fens has been provided by T.J. Drennan. And you can get some music for your podcast if you want. And uh, that's his Patreon. I have no idea what it's called. Just search for Super Awesome TJ, and I'm pretty sure it'll show up. So uh, do, you don't, do you have a Twitter or anything? If someone wanted to talk to you about your majestic Wilderlands, how would they get in touch with you, Rob? Um, the best place is comments on my blog. Uh, I'm on MeWe, and I'm on robert conley and facebook just go uh the tenkar's tavern or swords and wizardry uh or the waterlands and uh there will be a post with my name on it so you can just click there and send me a message if you can stand facebook which i can barely tolerate <laughs> but uh comment i i monitor my comments on my blog so awesome thank you very much for that if you want to get in touch with me, you can always reach me at the email hnfhobbs at gmail.com. Uh, I'm also on the Twitters. The podcast has its own Twitter. It's at OSRN Hobbs. And my private one is at Hobbs Indeed. It's almost impossible to keep uh, your stuff 
private and so it's all kind of mixed in there feel free to follow whichever one you want and tag me oh well if you if you want to email i have robert s conley c-o-n-l-e-y at batneotic.com so i misspelled conley everywhere and you never said it this whole show we've had your name misspelled i thought that i saw your name it had it was just that way god i'm so yeah c-o-n-l-e-y i'm so i'm so ashamed right now i don't know my screen is littered with so many oh i see what you did okay yeah you forgot the e i purposely didn't put it in there <laughs> <laughs> but I will fix that on anything coming out after this. Twitchers, you saw it here. Another mistake from Hobbs. Uh, oh, and if you want to be a patron like those other guys, go to www.patreon.com forward slash OSRN Hobbs. You got a patron? No. But tons of products out there. Go buy those products and get him disconnected from Judges Guild, people. Let's go. Get your money, my man. Get your money. So like I said, Audio Dungeon Discord or the Gamerhood Discord. Rob, I really appreciate you being on the show. Do you uh, you got any last comments or anything? Well, one, thanks for having me. Uh, no, you know, it, you know, I write about a lot of stuff, give a lot of advice, but it's always this. Make it, take what you like, make it your own, but have fun. That's the whole point of it. There you go, people. Do what he said. Stay alive. You know you got a job to do. And we will catch you in two weeks. It's a beautiful day in the game. Oh, a beautiful day for my gamers. Would you be one? Could you be one? It's out of that corner, but don't despair. This colony's breeding great robbers. Would you be one? Could you be one? If the native is immortality rate works for you For a few bucks a month you can sign up and have the hogs kill you So let's make the most of another someday Brew up some coffee and play it my way Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my gamers? Won't you be? Won't you please? Please won't you be my 